0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Welcome back to another Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics podcast. Reese Tiefertiller and the very esteemed Bob Harris as our guest today. Bob,
1: how are you doing? I'm very esteemed, I'm told. No, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: Awesome. Awesome. You are esteemed. You're a wow. pillar in this community. You really are. And I think you wear that on, that badge of honor well.
1: Something we said for longevity. Hey, it's unbeatable. Stick, stick around long enough and you too might be esteemed, people. Or just steamed. One or or the steamy. Other.
2: Yes. Speaking of steaming, how's your fantasy team doing this
1: year? Uh, this week has not been great. Um, I made some – I know some of the things we're going to talk about today. I made some of this kind of decisions we'll be talking about today, this week. Not all of them went my way, right? I feel like, you know, we're at a point in the season where in recent years I've been thinking more and more about, you know, how do we get through September? Because it's just so volatile, right? And so, <laughs> you know, the, the standard approach has been player studs. I don't know if that's the correct approach because I don't know – I don't think our, I mean, I know who we drafted to be our studs. If we're we're just, you know, if the advice is play your draft capital, okay. I mean, there's something to be said for that. We put a lot of effort and time into it. But if you get into week two and that draft capital is not paying off, maybe it's time that we are more open to making some hard decisions that otherwise we haven't been making in the past, maybe to our benefit, you know? So I've been thinking a lot about that and I did some of that this week. Uh, Some of it to my advantage, some of it to my horrible detriment.
0: I do have a question for you, Bob, and this is very theoretical for your big brain. Is someone really a stud if they're that volatile or dependent uh, like a wide receiver and <laughs> tight end on their quarterback?
1: I know, should we so, still
0: be thinking of them as a stud? You know, I think well, I mean, Garrett you're, Wilson,
1: you're, you know, well, I mean, Garrett Wilson's circumstances dictated. So, I, you know, I, I mean, that's the thing. All these we want to paint things, you know, in a black or white, this or that. Uh, frame and you know and we get trapped in a prison of two things it's either this or that well no there's a bunch of nuance in between and there are you know there are a lot of reasons and explanations for why things are happening and we have to be open to them I think we want to you know the easy answer for all our lineup questions are this guy that guy no the the real answer is well probably both guys but let's talk through and figure out you know some of the nuance and some of the possibilities here but like you know we could just say you know I mean, Jamar Chase was he a stud the first two weeks No he was the, the opposite Of a stud he was a detriment to your team He was hurting your lineups right And so you know I think he's still a stud And, and that's part of it is you know Like I had a, a little bit of a, a You know back and forth with my SiriusXM Co-host on game day you know And my suggestion was and this was on Sunday when we didn't know if Joe Burrow Was going to play and I said well would you even consider You know sitting Jamar Chase for Puka Nakua Right, like, and he's going no, can't even think about it. Would never do that with the first-round I pick. I said, well, I'd probably think about it if if there is no if, if there is no uh, Joe Burrow. Now well, it turns out there was a Joe Burrow. It turns out it went well, but and it turns out he is a stud. Okay, and all that is well and good, but but that doesn't mean Puka Nakua isn't playing in a studly manner. Now there were issues in the Monday night game with pass the pass rush was a limiting factor for all involved, right? And it hasn't been up to this point. But these are the things you need that, that I'm trying to think about. To get me through September, and I think part of it is we have a fear of, number one, missing out on the breakout game, like Jamar Chase's last night. Like, if I don't play him, I'm going to miss out on that big game when it comes. Well, yes, you might. Also, you might miss out on more bad games and the guys that you're plugging in their place or might continue to give you perfectly serviceable games that maybe help you win a game. Um the, and 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 I'm you know I'm throwing this out there realizing that you know it's the old Matt Harmon range of outcomes. I mean all these things. There's a whole universe of possibilities within this as you as you put it together. But you know if you're you know if you're just if you're worried about like well I put all this draft capital and I have to play them. I don't know that that's the right decision to be making. Right? Right? If, if all your decisions are made made based on draft capital, you know at some point you're never going to play you know C.J. Stroud over let's say Justin Fields. Right? Like. And if you had been doing that every week right now you'd be very happy with yourself uh but nobody's doing that because damn it we spent that money on justin fields we must get our worth out of him well sometimes not every investment pans out and 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 i've said all along you know we tell ourselves a lot of happy stories in order to get ourselves to draft players right and and we tell ourselves the opposite stories to 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 dial back on players um the people who are quick to divorce themselves from their narratives that they've built are probably the people who are going to have more success so I know that it's like a little bit of a departure to say, you know, OK, we should not maybe play our studs for the for you know, at some point in the, the month of September. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm saying your studs are identifying themselves and they're not necessarily necessarily the people we thought they were going to be in the moment. That doesn't mean your investment in Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs is going to go for not. They may well, you know, I'm expecting both of them to course correct to some degree, maybe all the way. Right. But right yeah. now, that's not who they are. And so I'm trying to accept who people are in the moment and play those people or not, <laughs> as the case might be, and, and see how it works out this year. I'm trying to be more open to that. And and again, so far, mixed results.
2: So. Who have been some of the players that have flashed, especially the past couple of weeks?
1: Uh So for me, I mean, I mentioned one CJ Stroud, I mean, and, you know, like all things of fantasy, I think the thing that we, we easily lose sight of is volume matters, right? Mm -hmm. And and who is throwing the ball more than CJ Stroud? Well, I think there's like one guy out there that's throwing or a couple guys who are throwing the ball more than CJ Stroud. And that volume is paying off. And look, he's, he's outperforming expectations in terms of, you know, what he's doing with that volume. There's no doubt about it. And he's dragging some people along with him. And there are people who are, you know, I want to say a running back, sometimes it's just circumstances, right? Like, Tyron Williams gets this insane opportunity that we didn't expect him to get, right? And he's been making the most out of it. Brian Robinson taking volume and turning it into a thing and looking like a serviceable play every darn week to me. A wide receiver, we could say, you know, I don't want to go too far, but, you know, Puka Nakua looks like the real deal, okay? Uh, Is that going to change to some degree when, when Cooper comes back? Absolutely. But they do, you know, it's not like... He's playing full time in cuff spot. You know, he's not the slot guy. He's playing in the slot some, but he's also playing outside. I think there's a lane. And Tutu Atwell, another guy who's making out. Tank Dell, you know, coattailing. Look, and I had a blind spot for Tank Dell all summer long. I'm going, nah. He's like Tutu Atwell Jr. Well, both of them would like to have a word with me right now. Uh, and, and and so, you know, the, but that's the thing. I'm sitting here and I'm going to acknowledge. I'm going to divorce myself from the narrative. These guys are too small. They're not physical enough. They can't handle the, you know, okay. Okay. Turns out they can. I better get on the bandwagon or at least be accepting of it. And, you know, Nico Collins was another one. Although I was drafting him very late. Adam Thielen, it turns out, can still play. Um, You know, especially if he has a like the red rifle throwing of the football. At tight end, it turns out rookies can produce. Right. And we kind of knew Sam Laporta was going to get a great opportunity. Hunter Henry is outperforming expectations. So there's a lot of guys in there like. Who are you starting right now? Are you starting Hunter Henry every week or are you starting Kyle Pitts? Because if you're starting Kyle Pitts, you're starting those underlying analytics that all the smart people really love, like, oh, the route participation. And all that is like, not denying it, all of that is true. Like if the tight end gets 80% route participation, that leads to elite production. Except for Kyle Pitts, it has not, right? And it it may well, but I don't need to sit here and keep playing him and hoping I catch that breakout when Sam Laporta is putting up solid numbers every single week. So those are the kind of things.
2: Well, you stole two of mine. I had C.J. Stroud and Sam LaPorta. Sam LaPorta nearly carried me to a victory this past week. But Mm -hmm. one that's really been a surprise for me, we've always known he was a really solid player, is Keenan Allen. He was like the safety blanket of you can guarantee Mm -hmm. he'll be wide wide receiver 15. But now he's completely outperformed expectations. And Mike Williams is going to be out. So that should lead to an increased volume and he's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he is definitely sending up
1: for me. But is he, I mean, maybe he's not outperforming anything. Maybe our expectations were just wrong, right? And maybe we, if we look back to last year on his return from injury when he was, what, wide receiver, six down the stretch. I, I, there's a number out there, I think, heading into, I, I want to say last week, and it's probably maybe changed since then. Uh, only one receiver dating back to his return from injury has caught more passes uh, than Cooper Cup, and that's Justin Jefferson or than then Keenan Allen and I'll say this for Keenan Allen uh all us old people are rooting for him uh because yes. he is one of us and uh and so look he's been very good though like we can go back to how many years like 2014 there was a game against Baltimore where it's like they couldn't stop him they knew they were throwing to him like 15 targets I mean he is he's always been that guy and there's been a lot of talk like oh he's injury prone well, kind of, but you know, some of his injuries were like a lacerated kidney, or a, you know, I mean, like recently it's been more muscle, you know, and soft tissue things. But like over the course of his career, he's been very good, and and maybe we've been a little dismissive of him. I I, I, always, I every year I feel like he's a value. I think I think there are other people that are like coming in, like, but I always look at him as the piece. Like if I draft a volatile piece earlier in a draft, he's like the leavening agent. He's the guy that comes in and is going to be consistently productive every week and keep your floor high. And sometimes he's going to hit his ceiling, and according to the Minnesota Vikings, it's vast. <laughs>
2: well, he also put up pretty good numbers last week with 11 catches, 120 yep. and two. No chump yeah. numbers.
1: No. Nope.
2: Brad do you have any flashes? Uh, I'll, I'll say some that I think are
0: obvious. I think since he missed last week, we've forgotten it how good Anthony Richardson has been to start his career. And uh, along that route, I've been, Reese will be the first one to say, I've been a Michael Pittman, Stan all, some, <laughs> all summer. And uh, and he's been the volume guy. You know, I hear people talk about Josh Downs. I'm like, Pittman's still very, very young. And he's the alpha there. And right, uh, no doubt. You, know, you notice how they have zero tight end, not really zero, but <laughs> zero tight end targets compared to right. past years it's all been Pittman 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 which is great to see uh two others I don't think we're giving uh Jordan Addison enough love uh for down the stretch uh, yes Osborne catches a touchdown here or there Osborne's yes, yes. playing
1: ahead of him right now but that's going to change
0: oh but but we could just see it coming right I, sure. like we know what's coming and uh I don't think we're talking about th- that enough and lastly I want to speak out on uh, Jordan Love's behalf. I've been, I was, as Reese will say, I was down on Love. I didn't, I thought his play last year wasn't that great. You know, when he came in a little bit, I. But I just, he's looked great. His ball handling's good. You know, for them to be a serviceable offense without Aaron Jones, without Christian Watson, with a rookie tied in, you know, you know, like a rookie mid-range wide receiver. You know, I just I think that Jordan Loves deserves way more credit than we're giving him.
1: I think the so I, this has been so you t- you hit on two players who I've had really strong opinions on all offseason. One of them is Anthony Richardson, who I felt like is the lottery ticket, right? And CJ Stroud is out before expectations. But when I look at Brees Hall, CJ Stroud coming in, I'm thinking, you know, they're the you know, if you go into this in the the store and you see a bunch of scratch tickets on the wall, you're like some of them have the fifty thousand dollar grand prize, some of them have the million dollar grand prize. Anthony Richardson's the million-dollar grand prize ticket, right? Why would you not buy that ticket, uh, you know, if you get the chance at the, at the right. huge win, right? So I always felt he was that guy, and I think we're overstating the accuracy problems or at least his ability to correct those accuracy problems. I can remember when Josh Allen couldn't hit the broad side of the bar. Now he throws in teacup-sized windows without any issue at all. So players can improve over the course of time. But Jordan Love is one that I started saying, like, you know, I, I want to say in June or something, we might not know everything we need to know about Jordan Love, but I have a feeling the Packers do. Like you look at an organization that's like being run by professional people who have a pretty good track record of running organizations, just generally speaking. And are you going to let a guy, you know, a four-time MVP, kick his way out the door? Granted, this, the relationship had to end, but do you let him just storm his way out of there? If you don't think you have... If you're not if you don't think you have a guy who can come in and be serviceable, you're being pretty irresponsible in your job. I don't think they're those guys. I don't think they're they're irresponsible people running that team. So I had this hunch all along that maybe Jordan Love was going to be a little better than we expected or at least at least serviceable. But but this brings up another point. You said Pittman, I'll throw out another one, Mike Evans. And these are lessons I learned last year that I'm applying this year with great success because I have invested in Pittman. I'm invested in Mike Evans is that we overplay the what we perceive to be less than ideal quarterback situations into horrible quarterback situations. Look, people, they're going to have a quarterback. It's not like they don't have one. I think we learned this lesson last year in Seattle where DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were basically, you know, going rounds later than they should have gone because we were fair uh, afraid of the quarterback situation. Amari Cooper last year, went well after he should have gone because we weren't sure what was going to happen with, you, with Jacoby Brissett. I think Terry McLaurin annually, Goes later than he should go because we have fear of the quarterback. There's some players that you know merit the quarterback-proof card that goes back to Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, generally reserved for Texas. I uh, Allen Robinson at one point, uh, you know. So there, are, there are players that players tend to play really good, you know, and and even like the lousy quarterbacks still complete some passes and they take advantage of their top receiving assets except for Justin Fields. He can't.
0: Well, Garrett Wilson would like a word.
1: Oh, look, Garrett Wilson had a nice touchdown catch and run and, uh, in the first start, you know, with Zach Wilson in there. I, I don't think that this story is completely written yet. There is a right. universe in which Zach Wilson – I'm not pretending it's been great, right? It's not been great, but is there not a universe in which he can cobble together a season maybe almost as good as the nobodies who cobbled together seasons last year that fueled Garrett Wilson to, uh, to NFL Rookie of the Year honors, right? Is there – Is that not like within the realm of possibility? Maybe it's not the it's maybe it's not the like the the most, you know, the most likely on the end of the range of possible outcomes, but maybe it's somewhere in the middle to the third quarter range of that. It's so I'm not ready to give up on him. Look, we're all worried about our investment, you know, and that's part of it. We invested in guys and we told ourselves happy stories about Aaron Rodgers and him going to be just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And maybe they would have been, but, but, you know, there's also a range of possible outcomes there. So we just have to be kind of open to the circumstances we're, we're dealing with and, and hope that, you know, coaching and, uh, and maturity and some things come through and, and make Zach Wilson a better player. I say all that having watched him and not having seen great signs of it yet, but it's, you know, but again, Garrett Wilson had a touchdown. We'll, we'll just hope they they can keep this offense on schedule a little better Maybe as the running game improves, it opens some things up for him. Um, the defense is going to play well. Maybe they don't need to put too much pressure on him. Short passes work as good as long passes. Jamar Chase last night, right? I mean, you saw that. I mean, they're, 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 the, the, the big plays were either intermediate passes that he took a, took further, right? So I think there's, a, there's, there's still some possibilities there. I'm very optimistic about
2: it. I am not optimistic <laughs> at all. He <laughs> and no universe should should if you're if you're down Aaron Rodgers, there is no universe that Garrett Wilson should only have two catches against the NFL's best defense. He, and he did take that one 68 yards, but if he takes it 68 yards, maybe we should get him the ball again.
1: Oh, absolutely And maybe they will work on that. And, you know, maybe that will happen. Look, it doesn't happen every single game. I, don't know. I would like to see it happen more. I'm with you. And and I and I'm I'm painting an optimistic picture because I don't think all was lost. Because I thought last year's quarterback situation was pretty horrible for for Garrett Wilson. It was still ended up being pre-day year.
0: Mike White's good. A lot better than giving credit for. But I I I'm with you, Bob. Hope is a great drug and we're all on it. And hope is cheap.
1: I like to indulge myself.
0: And, but I still think the only path out is to have somebody that's not on the team join the team via trade I, free agency
1: or whatever. That's I sounds, it. They're I, don't there, three I don't think there I don't think there, don't think there is two. a path out. I don't think there is a path out. I think the path out is Zach Wilson gets better or it's a lost season. That's the path. All right. That is he's a got funny. a thirty-six million dollar quarterback coach. How can he not be good? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there whispering in his ear every day. That's going to make it all better, right? They'll they'll do some hallucinogenics, and it'll all be good.
2: <laughs> that's probably true. So we talked about the flashes. Who are some of the players who have disappointed you the most this season?
1: Um, I mean, you know, the easy calls are the running backs I mentioned. I, I'm pretty invested in Derrick Henry. I don't think this is a Derrick Henry problem just yet. I think I don't think and Josh Jacobs and I don't think it's a Josh Jacobs problem. I mean, if you watch the game, you know, you saw against Pittsburgh, I mean, he's he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. It's, you know, they they need to work on that. This maybe is more of a Josh McDaniel problem than a Josh Jacobs problem. But Jameer um, Gibbs, you know, I was big on Jameer Gibbs coming in. And, you know, my argument was this. If if B. John Robinson is going to be the greatest thing we ever saw because of the draft capital invested in him. Well, Jameer Gibbs went like, what, four picks later? I mean, you know, and, and clearly the Lions, you know, if you watch the video floating around out there, it, it seems like they were willing to take them before that. Uh, you yeah, know, They were willing to maybe take them even ahead of each other. I don't know that they would have, but they, I mean, the way they were talking, they would, it's within the realm of possibility. And, and I haven't given up hope on them. I, I'm hoping that, you know, they're easing him in and figuring it out and helping him, you know, work his way in. But it's got to put a little pressure on them to watch DeAndre Swift go out there and destroy everybody he goes against uh, after they made this switch. So I'm hoping that fuels their fire a little bit. But that's been a disappointment. I want to say, um, wide receivers, who's been really bad? That I, uh, I'm trying to come up with a good one here. Uh, as T. Higgins. Well, T Higgins. I mean, it was a bad night. It, you know, he had one. I think he, his is more the offense than him, except for last night was him. hundred percent. Right. He was a horrible game. Um, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with like. Uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, since the first game, right. Like the first game was great since then he's done nothing. DJ Moore again, that's maybe not his fault, but it's somebody's fault. Uh, I'm looking at you, Justin Fields. Uh, I, any well it's not fair to pick on cadarious tony i don't think he's like earned that right i think those are guys calvin ridley is the one that strikes me because we all had uh, well we all had i all had huge huge expectations that he was going to come out and the first game really you know kind of was indicative of what i expect to see going forward and we have not seen that since uh so I'm, um, you know, and and you know, we could say that of the entire Jaguars offense for the most part, or at least Trevor Lawrence is the poor fueled portion of that offense. Travis Etienne is playing better than I expected. Um, and uh, and Evan Ingram's doing fine, but the other guys are a little bit of a a little, little bit more missed than hit. I think you could say the same for, you know, everyone on Pittsburgh's offense as well. I mean, that offense is missing by a mile. And I mentioned DJ Moore. Again, I don't think it's a DJ Moore problem. Um, but it is a problem.
2: <laughs> well, for the whose fault it is to me it doesn't matter near as much as the fact that it is a problem. Sure, Derek Henry putting up two points a, in a week is a problem for fantasy managers starting him. No doubt, uh...
1: I can attest to this. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> we bear those scars. Yeah, but if it, it presents the issue of well, can I start them? As you were saying, do I start my studs in September? Can I trust this stud going into September? And until a change is made, you really can't trust them, but you can't really put Derrick Henry on the bench or it's really hard you, to put Derrick Henry you, on the bench unless that, you're Alabama.
1: Right. Unless that's, you're Alabama. That's the, that's the thing though. That's, I think that's where we, that's where I'm trying to work on is maybe my openness to other possibilities uh, instead of feeling like I'm trapped uh, to these players who aren't performing well, or maybe just clogging up the, you know, the path for me to start better players because I'm afraid of, you know, of looking foolish because I put all this draft capital on them. And I'm, I'm just to be, you know, if I'm like being honest with myself, I'm probably going too far in that direction. Uh, last weekend's Kendra Miller would like me to know that's not a good play every, you know, that that you know playing those notions aren't aren't a good idea every single time, but. I do think I want to try to train myself to be to be better able. And that's that's the thing. We, we, we've we all been doing this, you know, for a while. I mean, and, you know, Reese, you're a young man, but you've been playing a long time. I mean, it's just like, man, I, I know this guy's going to be good. Well, how long do we have to wait for that to happen? We can acknowledge that, like, not everything. So I can go back a couple of years. This is the one I like to use. I think it was two years ago. Tom Brady, for the first half of the season, was the worst deep ball passer. Couldn't hit one didn't think he don't think he had a, a completion over 20 yards for through half the season. He ended up the season as the best deep throw ball thrower in the NFL. Every season is an evolution for every player, right? And in every offense. And so well, hopefully it is. Um if it's not then we're going to have some problems. Um but but that's, you know, that's that's it, it's hard to hard to make these things because mostly because of the investment. It's just hard, hard to let go of of, of the, the work and effort we put an entire off season, Like, you know, I, I like to say I'm not drafting someone in the first round because of something I heard the the week before I drafted him. It's like Derrick Henry. It's years of history. It's years of production. It's the way the offense works. It's everything the coaches say. It's everything the people on the ground, the beat writers are telling me about him and what he looks like at any given time. And so, you know, you're, you're not just playing a, a moment in time. You're playing a history with a lot of these players. Uh, and so, you know, we all realize that the the cliff comes for everybody. i don't I don't think I've seen the cliff for Derek Henry. I've just seen bad circumstances. So I think making a pivot away from him to a player that I feel more comfortable with, but that's part of the problem is these players have a great history. and we tend to trust that history more so than someone rising up in the moment, like a Kyron Williams or you know who who would be a better example. I think that that's a great example right now. Um, <clears throat> because he he just kind of came out of nowhere and and we didn't see it coming. Right. But like even like places like, you know, Seattle, where, you know, I mean, I kept saying all all summer long, like this is, you know, people are, oh, Charbonnet is good. He does more things. He's going to be way better. Well, this is not how Pete Carroll operates. Pete Carroll has one guy and he plays him until he can't. And then he has the second guy and he starts playing him. And and, and that's just how it's worked from we go to Chris Carson to Rashad Penny now to Kenneth Walker. And at some point, Zach Charbonnet, he will draft somebody who's way more expensive than we'd like him to be to put behind him and that guy will sit and wait until Zach Charbonnet can't play. So, you know, these histories are hard things for us to give up on. And especially when players rise up that don't have that history and we're just kind of, it feels like a little bit more of a leap of faith.
2: What a mind that you mentioned? It doesn't have much history. Brees Hall. I mean, the jet circumstances kind of tanked it a little bit, but still running back 48 going it. Going into week four is not what many people had suggested. Whether the ACLs, like they're still trying to put them on a pitch count or not, it's still been rather ugly. Anybody else? He Bob's really good he, at stealing the ones I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh,
1: so I, I, you know, so I felt like Brees Hall, and, and I, so I was like half right and half wrong on the the Jets situation with this. Is I felt like we were way overpaying for Brees Hall the price he was going at and that we were getting a bargain on Dalvin Cook. Turns out we were overpaying for Brees Hall, and Dalvin Cook was stealing from us, so far. I mean, you know, and, and, But I do think Brees Hall, you, know, you have the hope that he's going to advance, but we should know this. I mean, again, every, everybody's recovery is different, right? Medicine the advances, technological advances, aid in the recoveries and the, the techniques they use to train people. <clears throat> and he seemed like he was on a good trajectory. It turns out that Javante Williams was on a better trajectory right and he had a worse injury so everyone is different but we looked at last year I kept looking at last year like J.K. Dobbins said not to draft guys coming off ACLs as early as I want to draft them and so Brees Hall although like came out that first game it looked like he got a courtesy carry right the first game and he took it halfway down the field And they said well let's give him another and the next thing you know he's got 10 carries for 127 yards right so that was great but I think that was never the plan and it's still not the plan there the plan is to bring him along slowly but I do think by the end of the year, by the second half of the season, you'll be forgetting about all. Uh, you'll be forgetting all about these, you know, this these poor showings early, because because apparently Garrett, you know, Zach Wilson isn't a good quarterback, and they're going to need to run the ball a lot. It's such wisdom. we don't live in that That's universe. I don't live in <laughs> uh, the ones I would
0: have. And you mentioned Fields and DJ Moore. You know, like mm-hmm. I think some of this is os- offensive symptoms you know like a bigger thing going on you mentioned Derrick Henry but I would say Hopkins is in the same boat you know Tannehill's not playing well and Hopkins is nicked up let's say that out front but people are still having faith putting him in his in their lineups and he's not going very fast the other two I would go with are Kyle Pitts who I still think is injured even though like when I see him run he doesn't look like the explosive guy and Desmond Ritter has been horrible. Let's just say that. Unless he's throwing to Bijan. As, as he's throwing to Robinson, all of his passes are more accurate. That's right. But when it goes like to London or Pitts, Yeah, but when <laughs> it goes to London or Pitts, it looks like it looks like we need to go find Pedro to throw the ball to him. Uh, movie reference. But you know, I I just don't think that Kyle Pitts and Drake London are gonna rebound this year. And they're people that had high, high, high expectations. And I just, you know what I mean. I those
1: offenses do not look like they're going anywhere. I'm allergic to Kyle Pitts. I have zero shares of Kyle Pitts, right? And I'm sorry, analytics people. I'm just, uh, Arthur Smith, you know, has the the offensive genius reputation, right? And some of that came from his ability to find out ways to use, you know, Cordell Patterson that other coaches hadn't found, and he cobbled together a great season from him. And, and, And I do think he's a kind of an innovative offensive thinker. That being the case, what is he telling us right now? His quarterback is not good. That's what he's telling us, right? <laughs> that's why he's running the ball. And I think, I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. There's, a, I, I keep calling Drake London a hard decision of what wide receiver three for me. And yeah. <clears throat> Kyle Pitts is not a hard decision for me because I don't, I didn't put myself in a position to make it. Um, just because I don't, it just doesn't seem to be working. He has all the talent. And like at some point, they that might shift, but. Like, if I miss out on that season and somebody beats me in a championship because of that, I will shake their hands and I'll make an adjustment next year and uh, and hopefully, you know, figure things out better. But for right now, I don't see, you know, I mean, I get – I see all the underlying numbers that people are talking about, and I understand why they're talking about them, but I don't see them translating in, in, into anything. And I know that, you know, like I know odds – we're playing odds and probabilities here, right? And that's why those numbers look good. But so far, it's just not working. And I see a bunch of other players who – I feel much better about, much more confident about that. I do Kyle Pitts, and part of it is Desmond Ritter.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to be a guy that stirs stuff up. But I think Heineke's a better quarterback than Ritter. I think that to your point, you would rather start Zach Ertz on a partial ACL than you would Kyle Pitts. Right now, and <laughs> I mean, with Josh Dobbs throwing in the ball, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, let's have that conversation. And so, uh anyway, I. I'm with you on Pitts. He's just disappointed, right? These guys that we're talking about, the reason they're disappointments is because we had high expectations, right? If you had no expectations, it wouldn't matter, right? Like,
1: I, know, I never talked myself into—I never talked myself into Kyle Pitts being the generational talent. And I think that's what happens, you know, with a lot of players—they get to come in with those expectations, and and it turns out a lot of these guys never make good on those, you know, those expectations ever. Um, and I'm not saying that Kyle Pissone, he's a very young man, right? And I mean, there's still a lot of a lot of football in his future, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> that he can make me look like an idiot for saying anything derisive about him. But until then, um, I'm feeling pretty good about not having to deal with it. All right. <laughs> I just there's I don't know how many players I don't draft is because I don't have to make that decision, right? Once you, he's one of those players, you invest in him, you know, you're paying enough money, paying enough in, in draft capital that. feel silly not playing him you know we can talk about some of the players i did invest in that you know i feel silly about right now darren waller i'm looking at you sir um but but i but 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 i do see signs of of, you know hope because i'm told daniel jones nickname is danny dimes and at some point i'm hoping he starts throwing some of those as opposed to the uh the uh uncatchable balls that he's throwing a pair of right now right so um so like but i mean the targets at least give me some hope you know, I'm not going to go into the underlying analytics of route participation and all that. It's just eyeball test. You know, for me, Waller has it has a chance, but that offense has to get better. So uh, we'll see.
2: The tight end position, just in general, has been awful. Like Mark Andrews was almost the undisputed tight end too, and he's had one good game. Yep. You look at that. George Kittle's had one good game. Darren Waller's had one good game. You can't bank on. Any of these guys being week to week starters that are not named Travis Kelsey and Sam LaPorta. Oh.
1: <laughs> so, so, far, so as we're close happy. enough,
2: yeah, as we're close enough. Do you? Have, what's your shot that you're going to call, Bob?
1: Um, Tua Tonga Valoa finishes as uh, one of the top three quarterbacks. That's that feels like a, like almost a no brainer.
0: After last week, that's like saying I, I think I think Mostert's going to have at least three uh, rushing touchdowns this year.
1: Hey, he's got to. So I think like if you're saying anything, you're you're like any bold predictions about Tua Tagovailoa, you're basically predicting that he's not going to get hurt. And I'll say yeah. this about what what I've seen so far: the offensive line is keeping him fairly clean, right? But also when he does get hit. The, the thing they did this offseason, getting him some coaching in jiu and helping him learn how to fall, I think every NFL team should take a lesson from this. If you're going to pay a quarter of a billion dollars for one position, you might want to invest a little bit in, in, in teaching them how to keep themselves safe. As we saw it with Anthony Richardson. What was his concussion from? Not from the hit, from the fall, right? If you teach these guys how to tuck and roll and move a little more, be a little more comfortable in those situations, look, fighters, boxers, uh, martial artists, uh, MMA fighters, they take these kind of blows all the time. They make these kind of falls all the time. They, they're they able to get through them because they know how to do it. It's a pretty good choice. And so I guess, you know, I guess my bold prediction is to a, of a low, it doesn't get hurt as much this year as last year.
2: But serious.
1: Mine,
0: I, I went back and forth on this because mine is more, I think of it as more as teams. And there's been a couple of surprise teams that I really enjoyed watching and. Some of them not so surprised. We just surprised at how well or how poorly they played. And one of mine, even though I like a lot of teams, Bob, I don't really have a team, but one of the teams I like this is the Steelers. But I will say that as long as Pickett is their quarterback, they will not win. They win one playoff game, it'll be luck. But I just don't think Kenny Pickett's that guy, especially if you cannot run the ball to get the pressure off of him. I just – he just looks like, and people are like, oh, he made a great throw. I'm like, yeah, but Brock Purdy makes five of those a game. And and you're saying you're congratulating Pickett for making one? Yeah. And, uh, you I just, know, I just think that Pickett is going to be that no man's land, almost what Andy Dalton was for several franchises. He was good enough to get him almost the playoffs, maybe in, but never very far. And I think what that's
1: I always say about Andy Dalton, you didn't know which one you were getting, the red rifle or the red-headed stepchild. It's going to be one of those every week, and you didn't know which exactly. one. Exactly.
0: But you knew that that the dice were going to come out bad on you one week, and you never knew which week it was, exactly. but it was going to make sure you didn't get very far. And that's exactly. all I'm saying about Pickett, is he may be able to complete 10 passes in one game, yay, but he's not going to do that every game, and teams are going to figure out how to defend Pickens and Deontay Johnson and make guys like and I like Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin beat you. If you can't run the ball, you can't run the ball and you have a you have a limitation at
2: quarterback. How about you Reese? For me it's it's a pretty tough one. But I'm going to say that Brock Purdy finishes within the top 10 quarterbacks this year. Just cuz you're banking 230 to 270 passing yards and two touchdowns a game is more than enough to finish in that. And it's honestly been looking pretty good this year, even better than last year, which is crazy considering that injury he went through in the, and basically mid January.
0: Yeah. Plus he's, uh, he picks up a little bit of rushing yards to pad those stats. You know, that we don't give those, those guys that rush just a little bit enough credit. It's the difference yeah. between quarterback 15 and quarterback nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Got a great really supporting pretty.
1: cast. He's got a great supporting cast, and it's, it's actually you're predicting Kyle Shanahan to be a top-ten quarterback because that's he's just channeling the, everything that Kyle Shanahan wants a quarterback to be, Brock Purdy is being, and it turns out that's that's an okay thing. The one thing I
0: saw, and I really like this analogy, and I forgot who it was so I'd give him attribution, is that last year he took singles. He did the dump off to Kittle. This, this year he's taken that next-level crossing pattern Hitting IU when he was healthy or Debo or whomever. And so he, instead of hitting seven, eight yards, he's hitting 14, 15, 16 yard crossing patterns. Yep. I agree. Good call. And so, uh, but when you hit
2: doubles, you don't have to hit as many. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Bob, thank you for joining us today. Where can listeners find you?
1: They can find me uh, at, at footballdiehards.com. On the interwebs, they can find me uh, at Football Diehard on the uh, social media platforms. They can find me at the Football Diehards YouTube page. Twice a week, I'm live streaming there Wednesday and Saturday, so check that out. And on the radio, on the uh, you'll be surprised to learn the Football Diehards program on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. I heard Football Diehards a couple of times there. I try to make I try to keep it easy. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Bye. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese (laughs) Tiefertiller.